0: Welcome to the Attract and Stand Out podcast by my mom, Darlene Holly. You're listening to the Attract and Stand Out podcast created for ambitious, heart centered entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships, influence others, and make an impact with everyone they meet. I'm your host, Darlene Holly, and I'm a mom of four, a wife, a storyteller, dream builder, and a personal branding and business coach. On the show, you'll hear real conversations about what it means to run your own business, what success actually looks like, and how you can overcome obstacles that get in your way. We're growing businesses with less hustle and more ease, transforming your mindset, and inspiring you to get moving and to follow your dreams. Are you ready? Let's dive in. All right. All right. Welcome back to the Attract and Stand Out podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Holly. And I have an amazing guest with me today. She is not only a business owner for over 30 years, but she's also a friend of mine. And Dr. Colleen Meyer is a been in business for over 30 years. She's won so many achievement awards for herself and various businesses that she's worked in. She's a change management, operational excellence, employee training, and development leadership trainer. And she helps set goals and achieve results in every single business that she works in. She's a doctorate degree, or she has a doctorate degree in organizational change and leadership from USC and an MBA from the University of Laverne. She's also a professor and a dean of business programs at the Temecula, or at the Temecula, at the California University. I don't know where Temecula just came into that. I saw California and thought automatically of where I live at, but she's... um, from the California University of Business and Technology, and she's also the president of Meyer & Consulting, a consulting company for small and medium-sized businesses, helping businesses grow strategically through innovation, education, and marketing. And Colleen, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you, Darlene. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to it. Awesome. I like to start all of the shows with just getting a little bit of background from my guests. I would love to hear how you started on this entrepreneurial journey that you're on. Well, I've I've been in
1: business for a long time. And the journey started actually when I became a single mother. And I found that if you want to make money to support your your child or children, I had to move into management. And that's what I did. So I spent my time moving into management. And after a while, I decided, you know what, I'm making all these people money, millions of dollars. And why can't I do that for myself and my family? So that's what I did. So I decided to branch out. And um, it started out as a side gig at first. And then now it's
0: Evolved into more of a full-time business and which we're really proud of. That's amazing. What would you say was like the turning point for what where you actually realized that you could do this on your own and make money doing it in a way that wasn't providing for other people, but actually providing for your family?
1: Well, what I found was I was given projects or jobs working for employers that were turnarounds so i was sent to regions or um, counties i've worked for different counties in different multi-states multi um you know like in california anywhere from san diego to up in victorville and barstow areas all the way up into las vegas orange county la and i found that if i'm going to be sent to these areas to turn them around, to clean them up, to get them to make money, to get the key performance indicators where they need to be, I'm thinking, if they're sending me to do that, I have the confidence to say, I'm going to go do that for myself. Because these weren't the areas, they didn't, they didn't send me places that were already moving and growing. They sent me to areas that were, they felt were lost causes. And I was going to go in there and turn them around, which we did.
0: Yeah. And that's amazing because it, it takes a special person to go into a business and completely rehaul it and turn it around from the inside out. And I love that they trusted you enough to bring you in and have you be that person that did that. What would you say was some of the most challenging situations that you've been in when it comes to turning a business around?
1: Well, it's changing mindsets. You know, when you, people don't like change, so you don't go in and change every immediately because it, it scares people change scares people so what we do is we go in there and we start building relations and at the same time as making observations so looking at the books you know talking to customers or students Because I, I work for, for a, a private post-secondary for-profit schools looking at um, the procedures, what are the skills of the employees and then start to make those changes. But what I found was when you have good employees and you incorporate good employees into the change process, A, it builds trust, so they trust you, they trust what's coming next and they help bring the other people along with with us or with them. So if we're saying we're at here, we're here at point A, we need to go to point B, you know, you give them the whys, you get them to the buy in, you treat them with respect. You, you, um, you, you talk to them and treat them in a way that their, their voices are heard and then it's easier to move them along. And th- that's, I think the biggest thing was the people part of it is getting that change happening through people. I think that's for most businesses fail, is that 75% of all businesses fail change management initiatives. So the question is why? And what can we do to, to not have that happen to us?
0: Yeah, and I love that you said that you were listening to the voices of the employees. You were actually going in and hearing what they have to say <laughs> and taking that information to use to help grow the business versus just coming in and dictating, like these are the way that things need to be and this is how we're gonna do it. I think it's powerful when you let your employees speak mm-hmm. up and share what's going on for them so that they can have an opinion in it. They feel like they're a part of that process and they're not you know, just along for the ride. <laughs> that, that, you know, that's so true and, and too,
1: when they trust you and believe that you care about them and where this organization is going, because you know people are an organization's people, right? It's four walls or roof, but it's really the people. What they can, what happens is now they start telling you things that you would never know otherwise. This person is doing. I had a manager when I took over a region. I had one of the managers was actually stealing and um, embezzling money. And the only reason how we found that out was because people trusted us enough and trusted me enough to tell us. And then we did an internal audit and then we had to remove that person from employment. But that's one of the things is they'll, they because they understand that we're all in it together and then they will share things that you need to know that's gonna fix the organization.
0: Yeah. What do you think it was about your process and how you came in To the change management with those companies that made the team feel like they can trust you and the process that you were bringing to them? I think it was because they
1: liked me. Um, I I think they liked me because, as you said, I didn't go in there with a bulldozer and say, okay, everybody, this is all wrong and this is the way we're going to do it. What it was was listening to people, sitting down. Here's what I like to do. I'll sit down and say, "Let's talk about expectations. What are your expectations of me?" And they will share whatever their expectations of me are as a leader. And most of it is, you know, what you know. This is the common ones. Um, Talk to me in a a respectful tone. Don't yell at me in front of someone, which I would never do. Any of those things. Um, if, If if I'm doing something wrong, let me know privately. You know, they have their little lists, and then. And I say to them, okay, I can agree to these things. I'm going to agree to A, B, C, D, and E. And that makes them feel good. And then I say to them, so let me tell you about my expectations of you. And then I go on and I talk about my expectations. But because I heard them first and I we came to an agreement about expectations, then when I gave mine, they were more open to hearing it and doing it. And I think... It's, it's all about people building its relationship. If you want to change management successfully processes, you need to get the people behind you on your side, not phony, but that sincerely, and they can get, and they can move that organization forward.
0: Yeah. Because and, it yeah.
1: becomes a,
0: um, it becomes, go ahead. Yeah. It sounds like you've been able to come into these businesses and really help them find the right direction for them to, Go move ahead, forward, to be able to help them move forward. What do you think has been one of the things that has set you apart the most from other people who do the same type of work with you, like the competition, right? Like what do you think sets you apart that helped you stand out to get those type of positions?
1: I think what's, which helped me be successful was the other managers would say there, you know, um, we don't need to tell them anything. It's a need to know basis and they don't need to know. And there's some things, of course, that, that only, you know, um, that's strictly management, like how, you know, financials and things like that. But if something they need to know, why not share it with them? Um, when the company was laying off people system wide, my region was the only region we didn't have to lay anybody off. And because well, what I did was, I went in there, I talked to them, I said, This is what we have to do. We got to reduce our full time equivalent by this amount. And what do we, I don't want to lose anybody. So, what can we do? And because this team was built, and this team trusted each other and this team were, were all on the same goal, they actually said, well, you know what? I can give up five hours of my schedule. I can give up 10 hours. I would rather spend a little time at home with my family. And because they were so behind the vision that they gave of themselves, and we were the only region that did not lay off anyone. So yeah. it's, it's having them part of the discussion, having them part of letting them know what change is coming and how do they want as employees to participate in that change.
0: Yeah. I love that. So, So, you know, I, I believe that they, thank you. So tell me a little bit then, like as you transitioned into having your own business, what do you think was some of the things that helped make you successful as a business owner so quickly?
1: I think what helps is because I have so much experience with operations, and I found that small business owners—that's where they're lacking in in some ways. Now you got ones that are doing really great, and but sometimes they'll come a little hiccup. So um, onboarding, an example, having somebody properly onboarded, interviewing, goal uh, setting—you know how to how to train a person to be a leader and a manager and set expectations. Those are all the little things that business owners tend to struggle with. And those are the things where this has been my whole life. So it's going in there and saying, hey, you know, what about onboarding? When I was working on my dissertation, the first thing I was going to do it on was corporate universities because corporations don't like Some um, studies show that many corporations feel like people come out of an MBA program lacking skills. So they have to, a lot of the good ones will train them themselves. They've sent them to a corporate university. Farmers has an amazing corporate university. Um, MGM had a corporate university. So there's different companies. So that's their onboarding process. A lot of small businesses can't afford that. They can't do that. So we help them set that up so they can get these people in the right places, get the right people on the bus, get the wrong people off the bus. And and a lot of people um, will end up getting the people off the bus when all they needed was training. There are these two gentlemen, they're named Clark and Estes. Clark and Estes wrote a book called Turning um, Turning Research into Results. And they say, and they're out of USC, and they say, usually if there's something going on in an organization, it falls under three categories. K, skills and knowledge, M, motivation, or O, organization. So they call it the KMO. And what they're saying is, take a look at, did I give them the skills? Do they have the knowledge? They need to do the job. Do they need job aids? whatever you they might happen to need motivation to me there's two different types there's people that are unmotivated because of what's going on in an organization or they're not motivated at all you got to determine which one that is and then the organization do we have policies and procedures and equipment and tools to make somebody successful so it falls under those three things and i and i find that to be true
0: Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I know um, in my prior life and career, I did a ton of hiring and HR training and development for um, Best Buy and for Gap. And a lot of times it was you have people who were excited to do the job that maybe didn't have the skill level yet. And it was just training them and helping them give them the tools and the support that they need so they can actually show up and do the job. And it drove me crazy when we would give up on an employee or they would give up on their self sometimes before they had a chance to go completely through the training program. Because I think it's so valuable when a company can dedicate the time and the energy to training their people. That's when they get the results. You can take a hard worker. Mm-hmm who's willing to do the work and train them to be who you need them to be. But it's harder to take somebody who has a bad attitude and maybe has the skill set, but they don't really necessarily wanna be there. Like those are never gonna be the people that you can mold and get them to be the type of employee that you need them to be. So I think it's important that you take time to hire for their values, their, um, their view of life, how they wanna show up, their excitement and not necessarily always look at like their resume of all the different things that they've done in the past, because that's not always a true tell for how they actually are going to show up at work. That's exactly right. I worked for a
1: franchisee years ago, and he said to me, we're going to open 13 units in three years. That's what we're going to do, 13 units in three years. And I, I was the general manager and I said, okay, so I'm thinking to myself, "How am, I need to produce managers. And so I created a program called the MA, uh, MAP, Manager's Apprentice Program MAP. And we, it's a 10 month program. And we started from the basic steps of a manager to, to the advanced. And I gave them homework to go do back at their, back at their um, shops. And, and it was a great program. We were able to hit that goal of opening that many stores. And we were all, we we were number one in LA, Orange County. We were number one in San Diego. And if you're looking at the top 15 in all of Southern California, our, we were um, right there in that circle of the top. So top, um, units and then we actually I won the general manager of the year award for that program and my franchisee won an award for um, the best franchise. But, it, but we recognized that if we're going to grow and, and be successful we need to train people ahead of time and get them ready and that's what we did and it and it worked it was fun actually too
0: yeah it not like it's not everybody
1: wants to be a manager we start out with okay we're going to It's, um, well, if you, we started out with sometimes with 20 people, and by the time we're done with our 10 months, we're down to six, and because cream always rises to the top, right? Some people think they want it, and then they find out what, what the work is, and then they don't want to do it after all, but those are the people I went with
0: when we gave management positions. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you took on this, like, huge project, and were able to come out with Managers and people that were ready to move forward in their business. And it helped you move forward along in your business as well, because you have to train people to replace you, is what I've always had like this mentality d- drilled into me. Like when I wanted to get promoted mm-hmm. in retail management, I wasn't ready to be promoted until I had my replacement trained so that I could ha- have somebody fill my spot so that I could move up in that next spot. So it was always about bringing people with you and having the right people around you so that they could lift mm-hmm. you up and you could grow the organization together.
1: I agree, and I think you look like, you know, um, John Maxwell says leaders develop leaders, and which is, which is exactly what you're saying. You know, how can you promote? Because people, like a lot of management, fear, well, if I teach them everything, they're going to replace me, and I, I find that to be uh, not true. I've never had anybody replace me that I brought up and trained. I've had people become my peers, which is very, um, I'm very proud. That's That says a lot. But I do believe that if you're a true leader, you don't have that fear. You believe in your skills and you promote people, you help people promote so you can move on. So that's very true.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It was always something that um, I thought was like super proud. I guess I was proud that I was able to help bring people up into the next position versus like just getting promoted and leaving your team behind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It always felt better to have those people rise with you and move forward. (laughs) So I love that we're talking about um, so, and it's much, not just that. so much of the team management pieces, but I want to bring it back to a little bit about your business today. Cause I know that you've shifted a lot of your business over the years. Um, this interview is being recorded, you know, seven months into COVID and life is a little bit different now. So tell me a little bit about how you have pivoted your business and where you're really focusing your attention these days.
1: Well, um, you know, we do a lot of training and work with business owners and, but what, which we can still do, you can still do that when to pivot, you can still do that, but people are shutting their businesses down or people are taking, you know, um, in the very beginning, remember everybody, everybody was pretty much shut down and, or they're slow to open or some of them are not opening at all. I'm seeing a lot of business not opening. So what I found was Uh, I've been getting a lot of people reaching out to me to do marketing and branding. And so what we're doing is we're pivoting because we can do that online. So there's a lot of people out there that are saying, okay, COVID happened, they're gonna pivot. And as they're pivoting, they're reaching out to us and now I'm pivoting to meet that need. So we're working with them on marketing social media marketing, e- email, some of them have email, already have emails built up. We can get email marketing, creating what's your brand. What do you want to be known for? How are you going to stand out from your competition? So these are the things that, so we're pivoting that direction right now. And, you know, we're having a great time with that. And so that's what, that's how our business is pivoting because we really can't go out and do action plans and goal setting with managers. Cause you know, they're just trying to keep their business afloat financially. And, and it's sad to say, I was going went to my mother's house the other day and I passed a very small, they have a 7-Eleven, a little small um, shopping center, little small center there. And they had a salon and a pizza place and different businesses in there and everything's gone except for the 7-Eleven. So it's really sad what's happening with small businesses. So I'm hoping when we come out of COVID, whatever that looks like, or when that happens, that we can start shifting. Not, we will keep this direction, but I want to also go back to where we're helping people focus
0: and create goals and and drive business. Yeah. And it's it's such a hard time because it's the same way in our city as well. When I do get out of the house, which isn't extremely often, but when I do, like there's so many signs on the front of doors and restaurants, like the mom and pop locations, the smaller places have had a really hard time in my city as well. And it's your heart breaks for them because you want to be able to support them and go out there. But with all the restraints that we have, we're not able to go out as much and support those businesses. So I'm completely with you. As soon as the world opens back up to whatever this new normal is going to look like. It's going to be super impactful to go back to these businesses and see which of them need support and help and guidance so that we can help keep them afloat and keep them with like their dream alive for their business.
1: And, I, and the ones that are reaching out right now are not people with brick and mortar businesses. You know, they're, they're people that are, you know, creating music and writing books. And one person was a, a motivational speaker. So maybe, you know, she wants to put that online and go that direction. And, and also I have, uh, and also a friend of mine that we're working, we're doing a case study on hers because she has a private investor, co- in, she's a private investigator. And she has a company called Watchman Investigations. And so we're doing a case study on, obviously the general public is not her customer. So we're doing a case study on to looking at how can we market this type of a business that's got a special niche, which is lawyers and insurance companies and things like that. And how can we do more social media marketing and drive that type of a business and expose them to the right people? So that's kind of what we're working on right now with her company. So it's interesting. Yeah. What's going on.
0: It's kind of fun too, if you think about it, because we're we're having to rethink everything. Yeah, it's definitely a time where we've all been able to go inward and really figure out what it is that we want to do, make sure we're showing up the way that we want to online. And so many people have pivoted to bring their brick and mortar businesses or starting businesses um, because of COVID. They're seeing that they're at home more often and they're having more time to to dream and like, think back to like, what, what did I want to do before I got into this career or before I became, you know, a parent and like my, my, um, focus got shifted some. So many people are being able to go back to that place where they're dreaming again and they're able to start these businesses and that's what they need support around. Cause I'm seeing the exact same thing in my business. People are coming to me and they're like, all right, I have extra time on my hands or I'm no longer working my corporate nine to five job anymore. So I'm able to do these different things. How do I do an online business? What does this look like? and I've been able to like come into those conversations with them and help them start to map out a plan so they can start to provide income for their family again but then also making sure that they're starting a business that they're passionate about that they actually want to wake up and do every day.
1: You know it's interesting because you know if you look at the um, I call it the era of Amazon, Amazon came in and they said, we're going to do, you know, first they sold books and then did that whole books thing. And then they turned into what they are today. And where they're doing, doing delivery, you know, you can go on. You don't have to get in line, You need to go to stores. It's everything. It's, you know, they got a great business model. But the companies that failed to pivot during that are not making it. You got J.C. Penney's has heard him, um, 20, uh, Forever 21. Uh, the all the different businesses right uh what is the other one um pier 21 they're not making it because they fail to see the writing on the wall and pivot right yeah. you got you got Walmart's, you know and target you know they're kind of shifting with it you know you pull up and they'll bring the order to you outside you don't even have to come into the store so they're they're shifting but the other ones are not shifting as fast but that's where we're at here i was talking to this woman who owns a A car. They for thirty years they owned a car deal, a body shop. And she said, "Well, you know, they're losing their business. It's not making money." And and I said, "Why don't you create an app or have an app created? And somebody needs a little ding out of their door for or something to be done. You go to their house and do it there. You have to shift your mindset. Has to talk to shit, you know. And you know you can. You know they can pay." online, you go down there, you fix their car, pull a little dent, whatever, I'm, I don't do that for a living, but you, but I think that's the difference. And we're in the same era. We're in COVID, just like that whole kind of Amazon snuck up on people. Mm-hmm. If you don't shift, you're not going to make it.
0: Yeah. And it's so true. Whether it's look, now, when you look at some of these businesses like Netflix, Um, blockbuster didn't see them coming and they were another great example of not pivoting quick enough and being completely Mm -hmm. obliviated and taken out of the marketplace because they didn't respond quick enough so it's so important that we keep an eye on what we have going on but always keep you know one eye on the future and where we're headed and where we're going so that we can make the right decisions for our business and for ourselves and for our employees and even for our customers and listening to what our customers want Mm -hmm. when they say it versus going, oh no, we're good. Like, we're just going to continue doing the same old thing over and over again. We're doing great. But when the world is shifting around you, you have to be able to respond and respond quickly.
1: You know, I use um, Pennies with my students a lot as a, as a study, a case study. And, um, you know, they struggle for years and I have a friend of mine, quite a few of my friends um, work, work at one, but what happened was somewhere along the line they lost who was their customer, who was their customer, and they made a choice in a, in a poor C O O, and they, so they corrected that years ago. And and um, but now they, you know, is it young women? We're going to bring Sephora. And then Toys R Us went out. Okay, we're going to get in the baby business, and that didn't work. And then you know they decided they're going to sell refrigerators again, and. And then they got rid of that. So they struggled with that whole identity of who are we and who do we serve at the same time as Amazon's taken over the world, right? So I think that I agree with that, but it's also, they always have to stop and, you know, what's going on around the industry and then what's happening with our customers. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a double whammy, I think for them.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, as we kind of start to wrap up our conversation, I would love um, for you to tell our listeners if they could support you in one major way over the next like six months, what type of support would you be looking for to gather? Um, Would
1: you say support? What does that look like to you?
0: Yeah. so, So I can
1: understand the question.
0: Yeah. So what type of support, like if, if people were to hear about your business and know who, what types of people you were looking to serve, what ways that you're now working with some of your clients, what do you think the best way for them to make introductions would be for you?
1: Okay, so I'm sorry. Um, um, emailing me at Colleen at com, or they can go to my website Uh, www.meyerandminsconsulting.com there's a contact us page or they can just call me on the phone at 909-647-7474 we can chat usually what i do is i have a conversation with people and then i send them a statement of work so basically that's saying this is what i heard you request from us this is the costs and then if there's something i think that would they would benefit from i'll say potential and then i send it to them and sometimes we come back and we look at it and we negotiate and make changes and we create a contract. But I think it's, it's reaching out, having
0: a conversation and see where we can come together and make changes happen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I like to end my interviews with what I call rapid fire questions. So I have just a couple of questions for you. I'm ready. So that we can get to know you a little bit better. So my first question for you okay. is I'm obsessed with morning routines. So I'm curious, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it?
1: I do have a morning routine. and It is I get up before anybody else in the house. I get coffee, go into my office, turn on the TV and spend a long time just relaxing it and just having some coffee by myself before the day gets started. So it's quiet.
0: Yes, I completely agree with that one. I love the quiet in the morning (laughs) as well. So um, who would you say has been the biggest influencer in your life?
1: Um, I would say my husband, John. He supports me no matter what. You know, oh, yeah, you want to go to school and get an MBA? Great. You want to go get a, a doctorate? Great. You want to start your own business? Go for it, honey. And here's the big one. I started playing the violin at 40 and he, I said, you know, babe, when, when I was a little girl, I wanted to play the violin. And he says, well, why not now? I'm like, I'm too old. That's like, you know, and he goes, never too old. So I took two and th- three years of playing the violin. It was fun. So he's a big, my he's my, he's my hero.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. And I love the fact that he supports you no matter what it is that you have going on. And how fun that you learned something that you've always wanted to do since you were a child to be able to do that mm-hmm. no matter what age you are. I think it's, a, it's powerful, especially for like our families to see like that you can still follow your dreams no matter where you are in life. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so my next question for you is where's your happy spot? When you need to reset, recharge, where do you like to go?
1: My happy spot is my house. I've lived in the mountains and I can go outside. It's quiet. The wind blows, you know, there's birds and it's just so beautiful here and it's peaceful. And I go out on my back porch and that's
0: my happy place. My happy place is home. Yes, I I love the mountains. So I can only imagine it's so serene to be out there with hearing the birds and the trees breeze mm-hmm. through around. And yeah, I can imagine that's so um, powerful to like just,
1: Deer and an occasional dinner.
0: bear yeah, and the occasional bear <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and my last question to kind of wrap things up with you is and i know that it's hard to do now but if i could send you anywhere if you could travel somewhere where would you like to go
1: i would like to go to florence italy and there's that's the to me that the the um i'm a big history buff i love florence and all the art and the history and, uh, you know, there's a dome in Florence, and they say there's a gap between the, the outside dome and the inside dome, and you can walk through it. And it was written, it was, it was designed by a man named Brunicelli. And I would think it'd be awesome to put my hand where he had his hand. That would be amazing to me. Mm, yeah. So that's where I would want to go, Florence.
0: That sounds lovely. I'll pack my bag and come with you. <laughs> sounds good <Okay>. to me. <laughs> Let's go get some Italian wine. Colleen, this has been so much fun having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to share your story with our audience. Thank
1: you so much for having me,
0: darling. I appreciate it. All right. And that's a wrap for the attract and stand out podcast. Um, If you haven't already, please hit subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever channel that you're listening to us on. And we will see you next week. Have an amazing one. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you love the show, leave a review and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. It would mean the world to me. As a special thank you, I want to offer you a free gift, my Uncover Your Niche workbook and video training that helps you become unforgettable to your audience. You can sign up at DarleneHolly.com. I look forward to seeing you all next week. In the meantime, have an amazing week and we will talk soon.